0: from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the work of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all of and he put all things under his feet, and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord.
1: Now, have you ever seen somebody do this? Am I the only one who's done that? You know what that means? It means I've forgotten, I lost my keys or I've lost my wallet, right? And then all of a sudden you go into like a, a little panic. Okay, 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 where are they? Where are they? And what happens, you start backtracking and thinking, okay, I went in the door and look, I have a camera on the door, you guys know that. And so I looked in the camera and it shows I had the key. So I got the key when I go in the house. And so I start backtracking, but the worst thing in the world is when I tell my wife, do you know where my keys are? And she'll go, no, right away, without any thought. And I'll get mad, and i go, look, at least pretend you're thinking. (laughs) At least go like, no, that would help me. But don't say no immediately without any thought, because that shows this is my problem and not yours, (laughs) right? So instead of my wife getting up and helping me look for the keys, she decides to interrogate me with questions. Question number one, did you check the key rack? I never thought when I'm looking for my keys to look for the key rack. Of course I looked in the key rack. Second question, did you check your pockets? <laughs> I never thought of checking my pockets. Am I the only one that people ask you these questions? Did you check your pockets? Of course I checked my pockets. And so therefore I get frustrated and I'm looking for my keys. Actually, I was looking for them this morning as well. And I find these keys in the most oddest place on the planet and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? Because this is the last place I would look. Like you would continue to look even after you found them. Of course it's the last place you would look. You wouldn't look any further. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. And so I found them in Jennifer's shoe. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm making this Jennifer's problem now. Why are my keys in your shoes? And the shoes are on the, uh, below, uh, we take our shoes off in the house, and they're below the key rack. So apparently, I put the key rack, slipped the key rack, and fell in her shoe. But somehow, it was her problem. And somehow, if she helped me look in her shoes, I could find the keys. So uh, the reason I'm telling you this story is I'm leading up to a point, hopefully, that the point is that you're going to find God in the most unusual places that normally where you would typically look for God and you can't experience nor find him. You will find him in the most unusual places when it comes to our life. Now, we're looking at the ascension of Christ today, when Christ ascended into heaven. And what's interesting, the disciples couldn't get when Jesus died on the cross. They went, wait, 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 died? He made it clear. And then when Jesus rose, he made it clear, but they still were shocked. So they were very consistent when Jesus ascended into heaven. Because basically, as we know, they were dumbfounded and when he was ascending to heaven, like a Mary Poppins experience, you know how she was done with her mission, she shot up in the clouds, that basically they were standing there looking up to heaven and they stood there, it seemed forever, because they couldn't get it. And if you understand this, even scripture decides they ain't gonna get it. So somehow there was tapping on one of the shoulders or a voice from heaven that I put on the screen, Acts chapter 1, 11. Why do you stand looking up towards heaven? So I'm putting the question, why do you stand there? He didn't say, stop looking up there. He's not up there. But basically, that's what he's saying. Because a lot of us don't get this message because we still continue to look up in heaven for Jesus. Where's God? He's out there. And so in Scripture says, Why are you looking up? And so I give them the benefit of the doubt because they had no understanding of astronomy and no understanding about the galaxy and the history. There was no such thing as rockets and satellites and all that stuff. Back then they really believed that the stars, the moon, the sun were actually gods and angels. And I would get it if I had no concept of what is up there. That that's what they looked at so they're looking for Jesus within the stars fascinating because back in then they didn't realize the planet was round and so when I grew up I pointed up where's Jesus that's up there but if I was in China it's in the opposite direction it doesn't make any sense where's hell down there you see how we just figure we point well hell's the. off it's just really weird when you live on a round planet if you believe the planets round. <laughs> okay, not not throwing conspiracies out there. But anyway, so when we look at this, that when Jesus ascended to heaven, Christianity grew tremendously. It just big time. And the word Christian was a derogatory word, meaning mini me. So basically, they were it was a cut down. Little Christ, there's a little Christ right there. And so they, they called them little Christ like a mini me. And so basically the people that decided to follow Jesus back then were the disenfranchised, were the uneducated, were the poor. And it was growing tremendously, this this thing. And so they were treated like fools by educated people because they believed that Christianity was a cult from Judaism. And so this is how it started. Look on the screen. Scripture tells us why this poor, marginalized group of people Christians basically exploded overnight. People wanted to join them because they had never seen anything like it. It was as if Jesus multiplied himself in his followers. These early Christians loved each other like Jesus loved and that was very attractive to them. But then it got really bad because they were under the Roman Empire and so therefore if you understand the Roman Empire and history, to declare anybody else but Caesar is Lord, you're in deep trouble. And so they were declaring Jesus is Lord, not Caesar's Lord. So if you look at history, they were trying—Rome uh, was trying to destroy the movement of Christianity by burning Christians at the stake and throwing them in the lion's den in public, think, public places, so it would say, "I ain't being a Christian. Forget it." But yet, Christianity continued to grow. And if you look at history, it's interesting throughout history. Christianity grows its fastest when it's under persecution. And when it's not under persecution, it doesn't grow. You look at the United States right now. We're not under persecution. The church has plateaued. It's gone down. Because there's no need to grow. There's no need to, a dependency on the Lord. Because of the dependency on ourselves. It's really interesting if you look at the history here. And so this is where Constantine decided, you know what, I can't beat these Christians, so I'm going to join the Christians. So I'm going to become a Christian. So he becomes a Christian, and then he makes Roman, Rome itself, a Christian nation. This is where everything starts to hit the fan here. Because once the Christians had the power and the strength of the Roman Empire, their perspective of Jesus completely changed. And here's the thing, which they all believed that Jesus ascended to heaven, but here's the thing, look on the screen. They begin to think of Christ as an all-powerful heavenly emperor, sitting on the throne up in heaven calling the shots. And they saw themselves as soldiers ready to conquer and expand Christ's kingdom even by force if necessary and so we go oh good night this is crazy because it, it, it's it's about the power it's about the strength it's about who we know it's about the political power so here's the problem with that on the screen jesus didn't live that way jesus that way uh, teach that way or die to conquer evil that way jesus showed us a god whose power is powerlessness. All you have to do is look at Jesus dying on the cross and see it. Perhaps that is why we tend to want to turn away from the cross. We don't want to look for a God in a naked, shamed, vulnerable, powerless man being put to death violently. Now here's the incredible good news for the broken. Because this is where when Jesus knows that we are such a flawed society a flawed world in history and so therefore he knows to give grace now a lot of people think grace is just hey accept do whatever you want but you tried taking our uh, if you were part of our grace truck it is deep stuff it is hard stuff and grace is the power to change grace is the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit moving upon our our life, even if we're a flawed, flawed person. Grace for all. Back on the screen. And so if we want to see Jesus now, we need to stop looking up to the heavenly version of the earthly tyrant. Instead, we need to look at the small, the vulnerable, the broken, the imperfect, and at what the world often considers failure. Why? Because those are the only places where there is space for grace. Now, Dana is part of the Stevens ministry, and we're trying to figure out Stevens ministry. I want to throw a picture of Dana and her her two kids. Wonderful kids, Noah and Dallas. To me, they're perfect. And so we went out to lunch, because we were going to talk about Stevens ministry, and they go, Dana comes up to me and says, they want to ride in your car. And I said, sure, no problem. So we all ran the car, Florida made everyone sick. And so, um, but I try to connect with kids. And I, I decide, how do you have a conversation with doubt uh, with um, Noah? So I started this way. I said, "Hey, you know any jokes?" And he goes, "No, I just know mama jokes." <laughs> so I'm a I'm a 50 I'm, I'm a 56 year old pastor with no children, ordained elder from 1995. I am a man of God, and so immediately when he says. No, I don't, and I just know mama jokes. So I said, your mama's so fat, she rocks herself to sleep trying to get up. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, what? I go, your mama's so fat, when she jumps in the air, she gets stuck. No, Dana's right there. <laughs> She's in the car. So then he goes, <laughs> "He goes, your mama's so fat, when she steps on a scale, the doctor said, hey, I want your weight, not your phone number. And I go, ooh, that kid's good. Okay? And so we had this kind of joking dialogue, but then I had the most deepest conversation with these kids that you can imagine. See, God says, let the children come unto me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God is theirs. And so when I do this, I do this a lot when I go out with... Uh, uh, people of color, I asked Dana, I said, when did you first discover you were black? Now, most likely they have a quick question and they can live it. And so Dana started sharing when she was young, when she was called the N-word, and how it impacted her and how her mother was going through this whole thing. And so I never thought, but Dana goes, Dallas, when were you? And Dallas just opened up to this incredible story of being called the N-word as a child. And I was going, what year do we live in when we're still calling children the N-word from adults? And I go to Noah, and Dana goes, Noah, how old is Noah? He's He's 12. Elaborate story, years ago when he was younger and broken being called the n-word over and over and over his mother didn't even know the details of the story the kingdom of god is for the broken the kingdom of god is for the forgotten the disenfranchised not the powerful that's why jesus said if you if you do this under these children you have done it unto me and so you can see that how God's kingdom is not about the earthly power. God's kingdom is much different. And so when we look at it, we, when we look at it. God's kingdom is not about conquering soldiers, uh, uh, conquering, but it's in the unnoticeable things. I'm showing you how Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. And I put it on the screen. Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as like a small seed that normally you wouldn't notice it. He describes the kingdom of heaven like wheat among weeds, or yeast, that leavened dough, or a hidden treasure. Something that's not obvious, something that you look for the kingdom of God, and you can't find it in the most obvious places of power, but you find it in the small little relationships of the people that have been mistreated. If you look at a tiny seed grows into this huge, large tree, a powerful tree that provides nourishment and, and shelter for birds wheat grows hidden among weeds and only gives a full potential when it's harvested and separated out you look at yeast it's basically is microscopic but it works through the lump of dough causing it to rise and be ready to bake and eaten for our nourishment a treasure it's something that you have to look for in order to find it this is how he's, he says, this is the kingdom of earth, how it's established at the kingdom of heaven. Look on the screen. The ascension of Jesus is about the all and allness of Christ. Jesus revealed what was already true. The love and grace of God is woven through the fabric of this universe. Jesus just showed us what that looked like and he showed us where to look for it. Where do we look for it? It's not in the mighty king of the throne. It's not in the mighty power of the nation, but it's revealed to the smallness of the kingdom of heaven. Back on the screen. You can't see each other the same way anymore when we realize this. We begin to see Christ in everyone and we begin to love like Christ that love flowing through you and me is like the yeast that works its way through the dough and makes us nourishing bread for this world it's nothing big and spectacular but it's more powerful than what we consider powerful this is interesting because if you look at the New Testament reading that was read it's not talking about Jesus up in heaven and it's talk it's not talking about Jesus ruling like an ultimate Emperor Let me read it for you, and then I'll break it down. It starts in verse 17 in Ephesians 1. I pray that God, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We as Christians need to experience a new revelation in the world that we live in. And we need to see it in a different way. We need to see it to the brokenness. As you come to know Him, so that with the eyes of your what, your heart. Without the heart, there is no compassion. Enlightened, you may know what is hope to which you are called, which has called you. What are the riches and the glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power for us who believe, according to the working of His great power. God put this power to work in Christ, and when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in the age, but also in the age to come, saying his power is greater than any worldly power. And he has put all things under his feet. And has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, which is us, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Yes, he's talking about tremendous power here, but he's not talking about kingdom, earthly kingdom power. He's talking about the total opposite power. But this is interesting because it's not... the the worldly power is not like a five and the kingdom power is the same power and it's higher this is where we get mixed up but it's a whole completely different power it is far different back on the screen Christ's power is the power of love let me read that again Christ's power is the power of love which unifies the small parts into the whole it is the very love which holds the universe together it is love that fills all in all that means everyone and everything, not just what is good and perfect, but the, but in that love there is also grace for what is not. In order to get worldly power, you have to get the best of the best of the best. That means anyone that shows any kind of weakness, anyone that shows any type of brokenness, you're out of here. We want the best. We want the strongest. We want the hardest working. We want this. And so therefore it eliminates about 90% of us, the kingdom of God doesn't because that's what grace is. Do You know how many times your pastor was told you're not the best and so we're not going to hire you or we're not going to do something because you have disabilities or speech impediment or just me being me. So therefore, we see churches and denominations gravitate towards the worldly power the worldly thing, instead of saying, look, there's a beautiful kid named Noah who's getting transformed and getting changed and getting understanding on who Jesus is through this church. You see what I mean? We would not invest in these kids. We would not invest in all this stuff. Back on the screen. When we look at history, and if you're history, buff, the strongest empires throughout history always come to an end we live in the most powerful nation in this world yet someday it will be no more but Christ will still be all in all his love will still be working its way through the dough as long as humble people are sharing his love and grace it is a kingdom that cannot be stopped many have tried to stop it and have failed this is where the good news is The power and anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yes, we will go through suffering. Jesus made it clear. If you follow me, it's going to be a rough ride. And then as Christians, we go, it's a rough ride. What happened? Listen to the Bible. (laughs) It says it right there. Okay? Don't listen to the... Stop it. Okay. (laughs) This is where I get in trouble when I go off thing. Jesus is good news, guys. For this church the power of Christ which is the love which holds this universe together is a close to each of us as as our breath it is in us through the spirit of Christ and and the love there's a huge grace that is, that is enough for any way in which wait wait that is enough for any way in which we or our circumstances are not enough and when we encounter the great love It transforms us. Power does not transform us. It messes us up. You have to understand that. It messes you up. But love transforms and changes us. Now, as we look at our society, there's three ways I can close this message. There's the shootings that happened, the mass shootings lately. There's the Roe versus Wade. There's an immigration. Which is safe? None of them. But I'm going to take one. Do you mind? Remember Grace. <laughs> Remember Grace. You know, it's funny, because I have the best conversations with myself.
0: <laughs>
1: and I, I was looking at this sermon, and I go, seriously, how do you just forget and just got to go over and let people go and be happy and all that stuff the word of God doesn't do that the word of God is so relevant in today's society but it's scary stuff let me introduce you to this picture, Scott Warren Scott Warren is 36 years old he's a college geography instructor and basically he's part of a thing of no more deaths he lives in Arizona right on the border he's a strong Christian I won't hold that against him but basically he found out did some study that at the Pima Medical Examiner since 2001 there were 250 migrants that died of starvation in the desert where he lives and dehydration. 250. And so what his organization does, next picture, is he goes out and he says, I'm not I'm not going against immigration, I'm not going against the laws, I'm not going against anything. But he goes out there in the desert and walks there and puts these jugs of water. That's all he does, is quietly during the night, puts these jugs of water, and there's food. Because he's saying there's no need to die. He was arrested he was arrested in 2017 with three felony counts one of them is transport and harboring migrants he's looking at 20 years but he says i'm going to fight it because of my religion because how i view jesus see he takes scripture pretty hard when did we see you thirsty and we gave you nothing to drink when did we see you hungry, and we gave you nothing to eat? And so you look at this, whether you believe it or not, I, I get it. We're not going bored. This is 2001, so we went through Clinton administration, the Bush administration, the Obama administration, now we have the Trump one. It has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans. This is something our country has dealt with and will deal with. Let me introduce you to Theresa Todd, who lives nine hours in Marfa, Texas. She was driving home, and this gentleman was waving a flag, a migrant, and he says, help me, my 18-year-old sister, Esmeralda, she needs help, she grabbed Esmeralda into a car. She says in the article that she was totally dazed and hardly could walk. She texted her friend and said, uh, works, "said what do I do? How do I help this woman? And before the friend responded, that the border patrol pulled up and read her Miranda rights for harboring a fugitive in her car. She said this, she said, can I have compassion or is it illegal to have Wherever you stand now, I know a lot of people, and I'll make it emotional, or already did. A lot of people will say, including myself, well, they just stay in Mexico, and this wouldn't be an issue. And I remember watching a documentary because I'm hardcore into 9/11 documentaries, and I watched them all, and I still watch them because that thing affected me and screwed me up. And so when I was watching this documentary about the firefighters, they were talking about the people jumping, if you remember that. And he said it messed him up because this is what he said. Come on, Al, can you fix this for me because my tremor? He said this. Thank you. He said this. When I was looking at these people jumping, how bad is it that their best choice that they have is to jump? And I look at the people that are trying. This is the best choice. Whether you believe it or not, they are human beings. And so what's fascinating here that I understand this is if you want to be a hardcore Christian how I grew up, let's do this. Look at Matthew 25. If you read in the King James Version of the Bible, it's called the judgment. It's called the judgment. We as Christians when I grew up love to talk about the judgment. And in that passage, the only, it talks about the separation of goats and sheep. And the only difference that i can find between the sheep and the goats are what they did and didn't do and so this is where when i was hungry you gave me something when i was thirsty you gave me something to drink when did we see you? you've done it to least of these brothers you have done it unto me where's the kingdom of heaven in the desert. Where's the kingdom? It's in Noah. Where's the kingdom of God? It's in the people that have been forgotten, the people that are not perfect. This is where we need to love. This is why, in the last thing on the screen, Jesus said that if you want to find Him, find someone who is hungry, give them food, find someone who is thirsty, give them something to drink. Find someone who is a stranger and welcome them, because what you did to them, you have done to him. May the Lord bless you, and may we embrace the kingdom.